Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Techish. It's your girl, Abba Desi of Hustle Crew. And it's your boy, Michael Behane of Pocket and Techish. We in the house. And Abba, where are you now? I am in Los Angeles, city of angels. This city must be kind of crazy what, with uh, all that's happened with Kobe. Yes. Oh man. Yeah, we got it. We got to start with that. Let's just say, you know, rest in peace to everyone that was there and all the people are affected. Gosh, it's just been crazy. Woke up on Sunday, local time. It happened really early in the morning for a Sunday, 9am. And social media was just blowing up. We got a cab to Venice Beach just to sort of spend the afternoon there. And the radio was on live, uh, you know, from the press conference he played for the Lakers his whole career so this is really his town and I think you know everyone's still in shock to be honest and like while going for TMZ like how did they how are they always able to kind of break the news like so quickly I think they even um, broke the news before his family found out so there's even rumors of legal action against them wow. what do you make of that like is there some code of conduct that should be now like you know specified that you can't really do that it really reminds me of that film with Jake Gyllenhaal. Was it Nightcrawler? Yeah. Where he plays a reporter um, that sort of hacks into police radios to try to get to a crime scene before it happens and be the first to break the news. I do think that the people involved with the you know the loved ones should find out before the public. Like that's no way to find out you've lost a dear friend or a family member. So I really hope that this sparks a public debate about how we should deal with this going forward. Yeah, I think so too. And I think I'm always just fascinated by how it works. They must literally have people that work in hospitals or who work for the police force that are essentially moonlighting as, you know, reporters undercover and looking for a quick check. Because I think if you remember the whole Jay-Z and Solange, like um, altercation in the lift, I think the person who sold the footage made a whole bunch of money. So I'm guessing it's a similar arrangement. Someone's like, I want to make a quick 50 file. I know that Kobe's passed away. Let me go tell my connects at TMZ. And I just don't think it's ethical. Um, no, and I it's think, really messed up. And I think you know, obviously, the value of getting clicks is so high that being first uh, kind of forces people to do these these kind of you know terrible things. But yeah, I, I think it's got to fix up and change. It's got to be some kind of common courtesy. You can't you can't break it before the family knows. Like, nah. Yeah, um, I think one of the things you know, if you have to find a silver lining on a dark cloud, I've seen a lot of conversations happening on social media black men reaching out to other black men and saying, you know, let's talk about this. It's okay to feel shocked, sad, at a loss. And often when we think of the impact of toxic masculinity in our society or the impact of patriarchy in our society, one of the things that we know about is the fact that men aren't often encouraged to share their feelings. And then that has huge ramifications on their mental and physical health. So I've been really encouraged by the amount of um, support that black men are openly giving to each other and like encouraging each other to process mm. together and like basically creating a safe space to process the emotions they're feeling. And I think that's a positive sign of like the progressive changes we're having in our society. So on a more tech-focused, light-hearted note, I think I was trying to meditate like a couple of days ago and I was going through my mm. Spotify. I was like, yo man, let me just like find some like relaxing nature sounds, right? Mm. Um, and it led to me tweeting, I said, listen, Spotify needs to buy Calm. Then perhaps integrate audiobooks also. They need to quote unquote own the ear and then use music as the loss leader. So obviously my train of thought was I wanted to find meditation stuff within Spotify. And I know Calm does that, but I was like, why is there not just one platform 
for all my ear needs. <laughs> um, and then obviously, yeah. I think I saw Connie Chan, who works at Andreessen Horowitz, and she did a, a, a talk recently talking about how now we're going to the audio-first product as opposed to the mobile-first product. Am I right in terms of Spotify's potential strategy, or is that complete nonsense? Is, is there going to be an all-encompassing app that owns the ear, or is it going to be a, a spread of different apps, different products that will you know satisfy those needs? Mm, I definitely think, you know, following off the conversation we were having last week with Casper and this idea of like the sleep economy, there's definitely an audio economy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's huge. If we think of everything from Siri and AI assistants that are audio activated all the way through to, you know, what you are saying, basically like educational or like health related audio, there's, there's no doubt that this space is growing and has continued to grow. We saw Spotify um, acquiring Anchor and, you know, trying to basically like own the podcasting space and use mm. podcasting as a new way to drive customer acquisition and grow into new markets. And it's been working. You know, I met up with someone at Spotify a few months ago in the London office and they were saying how some of their largest markets are now, you know, Japan, Mexico, Brazil, places where people are listening to podcasts all day wow. on their commute at work. So I, I don't feel like going into meditation is any any more of a stretch and you know what else can we do that is active or well-being oriented that relates to audio are we going to start having audio workouts audio training go back to learning languages on audio like the old school days when people would buy cassette tapes mm. and play them while they're sleeping and learn languages like that um so i think that's really cool I also think we're kind of at the bottom of the crest of the wave because we're still thinking about audio many ways in terms of like how we listen to things or have listened to things traditionally. Mm. Like, okay, we evolved from like, I don't know, like a gramophone to a Walkman to a Discman. Now we have iPods and we had earphones and those, and now our phones are like our portable music players. And then we had voice assistants, but what else could this look like? Like what could an audio first trend of innovation look like mm. i feel like I'm, I'm still not sure and i'm excited for it and i think in twofold with spotify i think they're going to need to figure it out because music isn't necessarily a profitable thing the amount of licensing fees that they've had to pay to the record labels means that so far they haven't made a dime of profit and i think podcasting they saw an opportunity where there are no licensing fees so there might be more of an opportunity to kind of uh you know become profitable off the back of it and i think they're now working on um, doing add-in sessions that are algorithm al algorithmically driven as opposed to so for example if me and you do an advert on this podcast it's not a specific ad to each individual person it's not like a facebook ad and i think spotify are working on basically doing the facebook equivalent ad through podcasting whether they can pull that off will be, it'll be interesting to see i do also think that hardware um will start to become more audio activated and audio enabled. I mean, we see some elements of that. You know, you can talk to your phone, call out the voice assistant on that. We heard about the Tesla car uh, having plans to interact with the world around it through voice commands. And I just wonder, you know, what, what has yet to be developed that would be like that? I mean, mm. there are some versions of smart home devices where you're, you know, lights on, lights off, that sort of thing. But I feel like there's still so much more scope to um, expand in like the internet of things side of audio enabled stuff. Mm. You, so we'll see. You know what though? I'm just waiting for like the privacy version because I, I wanted to get like Alexa, but I'm like, I don't want these people listening to me. I know they're listening to me. Mm. I've seen, I know too much. <laughs> I know too much. I've read too many articles about how they've got people like they've got a warehouse of people listening to your audio um, and they claim it's for testing purposes, but I don't trust any of these companies. 
the other story I wanted to talk about was apparently Tristan Walker, the CEO of Bevel. If you don't know about Bevel or Tristan Walker, get to know. He is an amazing black entrepreneur. And now he's been put on the board of Foot Locker. So I wanted to ask so you, cool. about what company board would you love to join? Wow. So first off, I saw the news on LinkedIn yesterday about Tristan Walker and I was like, oh my days, this is amazing. This is so cool. Um, always excited about more black people on boards because we are so underrepresented and yet we spend so much money with these companies. Yeah, I know. Um, so, yeah. you know, more representation, more ownership. I'm all about that. Love that. So you're going to laugh at me. Go on. But the company that I would love to sit on the board of is Domino's Pizza. <laughs> oh, my, but you know what? They're doing quite well. So can explain why. <laughs> Exactly. Okay. So I'm, I mean, I don't do like a ton of investing to be honest, but like Mm -hmm. I have a philosophy that it should be a company that you really believe in, Mm -hmm. that you invest in as a consumer Mm -hmm. and that is performing well. And, you know, sort of like aligns with a lot of the more macro trends that are happening out there. So one big fan of Domino's Pizza. (laughs) This episode (laughs) is not sponsored by them, by the way, but like, they're great. They're awesome. Always innovating. You know, they're one of like the like first companies to really improve their like tech specs mm-hmm. and have like a much better ordering experience. They have an app, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Their stock is performing really well, like yep. really, really, really well, and has been. And if you think of the trends of like uh, young people, they're not like clubbing as much and going out to bars as much. They're doing more socializing on their own terms. So like yeah. going to each other's houses, ordering in, playing games, hosting their own parlors or salons or whatever. Like you're just going to see more and more of that. And it's, they've got gluten-free options. It's only a matter of time before they're going to have vegan cheese, impossible meat, pepperoni. Mm. So yeah, I, I would sit proudly on that board and hopefully get a staff discount. As you give the world diabetes, yeah. is that your strategy? <laughs> That's interesting. They have thin crust. They have thin crust. <laughs> Love that options. That makes all the difference. All right, I feel you. I feel you. I think my one would. What about probably, you? I think my one would probably be Apple. It's really boring, but I think especially if it was during the Steve Jobs era. Now I still would be interested because I I just want to know how they make product decisions. They're still probably, you know, the best designers of products in the world. And I would just love an insight, insight into like, you know, I'm saying how it, how it's done. But it's a very boring choice. I couldn't think of anything outside the box. Um, well, I want to know what the listeners um, would do. So use hashtag techish and tell us what company you would love to sit on the board on. Do you know what, actually? I'm going to add one more to that, Airbnb. Okay, now we're talking. You're just trying to get discounts. That's what you're on, fam, isn't it? I know you. <laughs> no, because like, again, I use the product. I'm a big fan of the product. Mm-hmm. Early adopter of the product. Stayed loyal. And the way they're like expanding into experiences, I find really interesting. The way they're taking like a bottoms down and ground up approach to building community, I find really interesting. Um, And again, thinking of the macro trends, everyone wants to live like a local. People are investing more in experiences because we can't afford to go on the property ladder. I feel like there's still a lot more scope of innovation in terms of what they could go into. Mm. Um, And I'm a sucker for a community business. So yeah, that would be really fun. It's interesting. I was reading about how, um, just how bad travel is for like climate change. Now, (laughs) do you, do you you foresee a future where you would scale back your traveling? I know it's completely tangential, but based off that or do you think no nah, listen traveling i'm already is thinking about that i'm Literally. already every time i see greta's face on social media a little part of my heart breaks you know what i mean like <laughs> um i travel a lot for work and i do a very long distance flight because you know with product hunt i'm usually going from london to sf or la and i i was thinking about this and i reckon that when our children are our age you're gonna have a cap 
on how many mm-hmm. air miles you're allowed to have every year. Um, and we're going to be seen as the lucky ones in a way that like we look at older people that have a mortgage and we're like, oh, you're the lucky ones that have yeah. property. Younger people are going to look at us and be like, there was a time when you could fly anywhere you want so you think as many like times as you want. You'll be like rationed. You'll get like three flights a year. That's it. Your third flight's done. That's it. You're, you're grounded. Yeah. Wow. For the privileged ones that can afford to fly, definitely. Yeah, I think definitely as like, you know, the, the the middle class in China, India, and hopefully Africa in the future, you know, grows and develops. We're not all going to be able to live the current way that those of us in the West live, where everyone's like, well, yeah, I'm going, I'm going on like, you know, I'm going to Jamaica. I'm going here. I'm going there. I, I don't know if the world can handle it. Um, but I'm not gonna lie. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I'm just. I'm, I think we're all sitting there hoping that some smart person will invent something that means that all of the responsibility for climate change just goes away, and that person doesn't seem to be like getting here anytime soon. So maybe you're right. Speaking of product hunt, you mentioned product hunt briefly. Um, you guys yes. launched a little something. Tell me about it. Oh my gosh! So we've been kicking this up for the last year or mm-hmm. so. It's been in a private beta for the lucky few of you who have been participating. But BuzzFeed just broke the story uh, literally, what, an hour ago from the time of recording this. Uh, we have just launched Your Stack. So if you check out yourstack.com, get involved. Um, you know, we're technically still in beta, but the idea behind Your Stack is a place to discover the favorite things of everyone in your community, as well as like all the influencers out there. We've got people like Naval on the platform, Ryan Hoover Product Hunt on the platform. I get to see what other people put in their stack. So it could be the best books that they've ever read. It could be smart home devices in their house. It could be really anything that is like essential to their life, anything that makes um, their day-to-day that much better. And they give a short review to give you more background on it. So for example, Blinkist, the app. Mm. Um, and then they also give you pro tips. So I was looking at Twitter on people's stacks and I was finding out all these like secret ways to get people to unfollow you. I was going wow. onto Naval's stack, checking out um, you know his favorite Mac apps. And I found out about Alfred, which is basically like Mac search on steroids that you can also create automations and shortcuts for. It's incredible. Um, Brian stacked this book called The Courage to be Disliked, which is oh, like yeah. a bestseller in Japan yeah. and all about the psychology of um, basically like ownership and owning your decisions and, mm. and how you can be more, it's a bit like in the vein of like people like Machiavelli, you know, this idea of like, sometimes you just need to dance to the beat of your own drum to really get respect and right. make yeah. moves. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, product hunt is very much about tech products for the most part. So what's cool about your stack is that it can be anything. So it's a new type of social network, except we're not there to really socialize. Uh, we're more there to just discover great things and share cool things in our lives. Obviously, like you said, it took a while to launch. Um, it's been in beta for a while. You've obviously launched yeah. products by yourself, like as an entrepreneur and services. Do you, like How was the experience of launching something from scratch within anything the company differed and like what have you learned kind of thing just in that that whole experience so what's really interesting with um your stack and ryan's written a, a blog post about this is when you already have a community that's five plus years old like product hunt you have the privilege of being able to have a closed beta for a much longer period of time mm. like your stack has been in development for about a year and it's been in a closed beta for half of that mm. and i would not recommend that to some one that is totally new with a totally new product, building up a totally new community. Cause you really want to get out there as quickly as you can right. and start, you know, 
learning from that feedback loop. But with with your startup, which I've never really been in a position to do before, it's kind of like you're in a company that has an established community that's already very comfortable recommending things. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is just iterating on that. Um, so it's been, it's been fun. And I think everything in this launch has been really data driven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's an incredible amount of software you can use now. You can use software that will let you track exactly what happens when someone logs in and lands on your page, where their cursor goes, wow. what they're looking at, where they start typing, they start typing, then they delete something, what they click. So you you can go into the detail mm. of user behavior. And these are the tools that were used to develop your stack. But it's also still day one. So we'll see how it goes. Interesting. Oh, one quick story I wanted to talk about, actually. Did you see what happened with Tyler, the creator, in the, at the Grammy Awards? No. So he won a Grammy for his album Eagle, which was an amazing album. I really fucked with it. Basically, it was like a genre bending album. It wasn't. He wasn't even really rapping on it. It was basically a pop album, a lot of singing, very unlike anything that Odd Future's ever done before. So anyway, he won a Grammy and said, "Listen, I'm conflicted. I'm very happy that my work's been recognized. It's my first ever Grammy, but at the same time, the fact that you put my album in the urban category." And he said, listen, I hate the word urban. I feel like it's just the, the N-word by another another name. Why couldn't my album have been in the pop category? And basically saying black artists are often put in the urban or the hip-hop category, even when their albums are no such thing, just because they're black, essentially. And they would never put it in the pop category. And I think he's right. All those institutions are racist. That's my verdict. <laughs> Simple. Simple. Yeah, you know what? So I think it's- Basically, yes, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's like going to institutions that were never designed for by for you in mind. You're always gonna get this. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think Diddy at the Rock Nation brunch, which is like this fabulous brunch that Jay throws before the Grammy Awards, and it's got the who's who of black entertainers. Um, Diddy basically made a speech saying, "Listen, man, this was never designed for us." So we've also got to kind of show love to our own because what happens is whenever there's like a black award show, not all of the big stars turn up. Let's keep it real. Like not everyone's turning up to the BET awards. Not everyone's turning up to the Soul Train awards. Not everyone's turning up to the MOBOs because a lot of people think they're above it, but they have to turn up and show love to those institutions because that's all we got. Because otherwise we're going to keep going to the mainstream institutions and we're going to get that kind of backhanded compliment. Hey, this is Ryan, the producer of Techish. We have a user-submitted question, which Michael and Abidesi are going to answer in a moment. The listener writes, Here is my situation. I graduated in 2018 from Oxford University with an economics degree. I've been working in digital advertising for the past year, and I've just got promoted. Like many others, I'm looking to pivot into tech. Until two weeks ago, I was set on doing a boot camp and just got accepted to Flatiron. Two weeks ago, I told my Nigerian parents and they are pushing me to do a master's degree instead. My questions, to what extent does having a master's in computer science have an advantage over work experience? In my eyes, if I do a three month boot camp and then hopefully find a job quickly, I could get around four to five months work experience as well in the time it would take me to do a master's. You've both mentioned that the market for junior devs is getting quite busy. What do you think are the ways to stand out? Would a master's be a worthwhile way of going about it? So I'm a big believer that we can always connect the dots looking backwards, like Steve Jobs said. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's probably not super valuable to think about this decision, you know, in light of things that are happening too far into the distance. Because whether he does the master's or whether he does the coding boot camp, in 5, 10, 15 years' time, he'll be able to look back and justify the decision because right. whichever path he chooses is going to take him somewhere 
Yeah. Um, but so, you know, with that in mind, the way that I would make the decision if it was me is I would reflect on the last 12 months mm-hmm. and think about what I liked about them, what I didn't like about them. And then I would visualize myself over the next 12 months and visualize myself in the environment of a boot camp, which is obviously a very specific type of environment in terms of the work you do, the projects you do, the people you're interacting with and where you end up at the end of that 12 months. Mm-hmm. And then I would visualize myself doing the masters and think about what that is like, you know, being at a university, being at a campus, meeting with other people, um, the kind of community I'm building on that side and what would happen at the end of the 12 months of that. And then depending on which one of those feels more appealing to me in the context of the things that I value, which might be things like flexibility, um, you know, the type of people I want to be around, how far it is from my house, the commute, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Based on that, I would then go, okay, I would rather for the next 12 months pick this option because that aligns more with my priorities or my values. How do you also juggle that kind of parental expectations? Obviously, as parents, um, you know, and, you know, you're partly Nigerian as well, so you maybe can understand. And I think anybody, you know, from an immigrant background can understand, like, how, you know, overbearing your parents can be. Not necessarily in a bad way, but they just have expectations of you. Um, Yeah. do you, you you do have to kind of factor in that if you go against your parents' wishes to a certain extent, like that's going to cause you a lot more grief. If both options are relatively similar, is it sometimes worthwhile just being like, you know what, let me just do the one that doesn't rock the boat the most? Or should you always try to maximize your own personal happiness or your own personal preference on top of that, ahead of that, sorry? Well, I mean, it depends because if his parents are paying for it, then... Yeah, because like right now like that to be honest that would be the thing i need to know like are yeah. you paying for this because if yeah. you're paying for this do what you want yeah who real cares talk. real talk if your parents are paying for it okay yeah you probably got to you know be a bit political there and and do what they want but you know i'm still disappointing my parents <laughs> it's 2020 yeah it's 2020 and my parents still want me to be a lawyer and they still want me to be an economist for the world bank so <laughs> i'm kind of over i'm kind of over disappointing my parents i actually had a similar situation wherein basically i was contemplating doing a boot camp versus doing CS uh, degree as well um, and I ended up doing a CS degree so I think it would be I'm trying not to give advice anymore I'm just trying to say what I would do I think especially if you're super young I think you're better off just doing the thing that will probably have the greatest ROI in the long term in the future and I probably would say that's a master's if you've gone to Oxford already which is a super prestigious university and you're going to do something similar I'm not going to say that that looks the same as a flat iron boot camp on paper no disrespect to anybody who's done a boot camp and no disrespect to anybody who wants to do a boot camp in the future. I'm just being completely honest. And I don't know, do you think I'm, I'm thinking of being harsh? No, man, you got real life experience. You did a master's in computer science and look at you now. Look at you <laughs> But that's not to say that if you do a boot camp, it won't work out. It will. I probably see boot camps more as people that are doing career transitions that have worked for a long time and they want to have a quick route into the industry. And that's where it makes the most sense, where you can't afford to take a year out. And also, it depends on the dynamic of your parents. If you're, Are your parents paying for you? If they are, then obviously they're going to have a greater say in terms of what you're going to do. But like Abba said, both options are good. Both options are acceptable and both options in the long term will put you in good stead. But I'm just going to lean towards what I would do and what I have done and say that. That's it. Really. Preach. So, um, shout out all my Vine fans, the founder of Vine, which was an amazing, um, how would you describe Vine? It basically was like a social network for like looping videos, which were hilarious. Like just some of the most creative people, a predecessor to TikTok far, far, far before TikTok's time or before, before ByteDance's time. Um, but yeah, (laughs) um, 
So it was acquired by Twitter and then killed, sadly, RIP. However, the founder is back with a new app called Byte, B-Y-T-E. It's already got OG Viners on it. I'm on it, Abadesi. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. So unlike TikTok, which lets you record a video for a minute, Vine is eight-second loops. Um, mm. It's just funny. It's just great. Check it out. Have you seen it yet, Michael? I haven't downloaded it, and I don't think I will. I'm not particularly bothered. I feel like it's moment past with Vine, that whole six-second thing. I could be completely wrong. Um, and I was a big Vine user. I love Vine. And maybe I'm just, just I'm in a different time of my life now. I don't, I don't find that stuff as entertaining as I used to be. So it might do perfectly well. But I feel like its space has been eaten up. I think... Um, do you I use TikTok? I don't use TikTok either. So that might be an example of why I'm the wrong person to talk about with the situation. I think um, Instagram and Snapchat kind of took the cake of Vine. They Once they started incorporating video, the six-second constraint is to me it's not enough in order to differentiate yourself from what's already out there i've read some of the data they've got around 800k downloads over the first weekend bearing in mind tiktok gets around one to two million downloads a weekend so you know on the launch you're probably going to get your biggest spike so i mean best of luck to the entrepreneur i love seeing round twos i love seeing entrepreneurs come back into the game and try again but i'm 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 skeptical it's going to go anywhere to be honest but happy to be proven wrong (laughs) <laughs> that's my somber analysis <laughs> so it is we we shall see we shall see we shall see all right cool um that was this week's episode of techish use the hashtag techish if you've got any thoughts we talk, talked about some controversial stuff this episode so i won't be surprised if we get some backlash but yeah feel free to hit us up and let us know your thoughts um support us on patreon patreon.com slash techish um follow abadesi at abadesi follow michael behane at michael behane underscore almost forgot my hashtag there my handle there um and yeah we'll catch you next week peace see you everybody bye